Hey, Risto here at George Mason University. Uh, I'm here with Dr. Zach Beddoes uh, from the University of Wisconsin La Crosse. Uh, today, we're going to discuss the article, I Wish I Had You as a PE Teacher Physical Educators Experiences in a Professional Learning Community. I was just recently published in JTPE, and I'll put the full site in the uh, article in the notes section. Um, but, Zach, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for coming on. Thanks, Risto. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'd certainly like to acknowledge my co-authors on this project, Drs. Deb Sazma and Jenna Stark, um, both of whom are outstanding colleagues here with me at UWL. Awesome. Uh, so we've had uh, prior podcasts on occupational socialization theory, most specifically in the very beginning with Sarah Flory on episode three and Kevin Richards with episode five and then the theory breakdown. So there's there's more of a detailed dive-in available for those of you who really want to get back into that. But Zach, can you give us just an overview and explain how you use the theory kind of for your study? Yeah, absolutely. So originally, um, occupational socialization theory was articulated by Dr. Hal Lawson in 1983. Um, And really, it's a three-phased approach about how PE teachers are socialized through their careers. And it's not necessarily linear or clear-cut. Um, but there are three um, three stages or components to it. Um, acculturation um, is essentially um, everything in the formative years, the experiences with teachers that students have with coaches, and so all of their lived experiences. And, and during this time, uh, Lordy calls this apprenticeship of observation, um, where you know, students are, are able to look at teachers and, and specifically physical education teachers and think, this is for me, I can do this. Um, also called a, a subjective warrant. Uh, it's a personal understanding based on experiences. Mm-hmm. And so through all of those, <laughs> through all of those many hours in schools, um, we start to shape, you know, this is what I could do. This is what I'd like to do. And this is what a teacher does. Uh, and then the second phase is professional socialization. And, and really, this is where we where we decide what does being a teacher, PE teacher, really mean. So through coursework and you know in PE programs, um, we we learn knowledge and skills, best practices, uh, and this may or may not align with previous experiences. Um, but coursework and field work, uh, it's really a preparation for the social social political environment of of schools. And then the third phase is organizational socialization. Uh, this is the first few years of teaching where you're inducted into the school environment. Uh, schools are political. Um, sometimes there is a clash between status quo and, you know, innovation from, from new teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we were interested in these dynamics and the dynamics and lived experiences of, of a group of teachers. Um, how they were able to collectively navigate uh, the socio-political dynamics of the schools. Um, of course, when you have a team of teachers, <laughs> it's likely they will have variable, you know, socializing experiences, and um, which will converge within the organization, and it'll be manifest in, in a variety of ways. Uh, so, uh, occupational socialization really gu- guided our framing of the study, um, informed by the research, informed the research questions, and and really how we approach the study, uh, case study overall. And so, you focus very specifically on this professional learning community, which is this ongoing, not not a hey, I'm going to go to a conference and get one 
weekend of professional development or a one-off kind of professional development session that's sponsored by a district or a state. But you talked about this concept and you bring up, I think it's DeFore and Eaker's framework. So I'm wondering if you can kind of talk about what that is and maybe kind of blend in. Is this something that you've experienced with professional learning communities and how, how you kind of started uh, or how, how come you were interested in studying this topic? Yeah, so, you know, PLCs, that, that, that term can be, um, you know, a little uh, ubiquitous. It, the PLCs the, is kind of thrown around a lot, and it, and it means a, a variety of different things, um, a variety of different collective action formations, and, and even can be synonymous at times with, with terms like networked improvement communities or communities of practice. Um, it's used in a variety of ways, but the, the four um, acre framework, um, this um, specifically began in 1998 and started really picking up steam uh, in response to No Child Left Behind um, legislation at the turn of the century. Um, and it was designed primarily under the premise that schools have the primary responsibility to maximize the learning uh, of every student. So it's very learning focused rather than teaching focused. And it's not, uh, the framework is not so much a, a program as it is a process, a process of doing business and really a, a cultural change. Um, it's built on three, uh, three big principles, the big three, which is a focus on learning, uh, collaborative culture, and a results uh, orientation. So typically in practice, um, this involves teams of, of content or grade level experts who collaborate regularly on behalf of uh, student learning. Uh, so the content teams are actually viewed as the experts um, rather than having the administration as the expert. The, um, there's a lot of autonomy given to teachers as the experts who drive the engine. Uh, by, ne by definition, the, um, the school is the PLC and the individual teams are, are the engine that drive the PLC. Um, but, you know, a PLC is contextual and includes, you know, shared language, uh, technical culture, norms, um, but there is flexibility given to the teachers. Um, of course, it prizes co-assessment, data-driven curriculum modification. Um, and, you know, and <laughs> when I, my first experience, when I, when I graduated from, from Brigham Young University, I had the opportunity to, to start a new school, uh, middle school. Uh, it was uh, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. It was, you know, called junior high, and uh, and my principal was uh, she was a, a PLC guru. I knew nothing about PLCs going in, um, but uh, fortunately, I had some really great colleagues. Uh, there were four, sometimes, you know, occasionally there were five of us PE teachers, and um, and and that was just a phenomenal experience, just to be able to work together and, and learn through that. So I think that's where I cut my teeth on this notion of PLCs. So you came from a lot of personal experience and then enacted into this research focus. Um, right. So it's interesting because, you know, I, I don't do a lot of research on professional learning communities. And when you started ex explaining this in the paper, I was like, wow, like I've never heard of this style of professional learning community. And... Uh, what struck me was that you talked about that there's a variety of ways that this term gets thrown around. And I think it's worth a deeper dive in for, for those uh, of you who are listening that are PE teachers or principals, head of schools, like to go in if you're not familiar with this specific type of PLC, because it was, 
it was interesting to read. You know, you, you talk about a learning focus versus a teaching focus and how much of our normal PD is, hey, you need to teach better, teach better, teach better. These are things that you could do to like affect your pedagogy. And yes, the PLC takes that into consideration, but they're looking at how are the students learning? How can we support the students in their growth? Who hasn't learned where we need them to be? Like, how can we do an intervention or how can we help them? So I thought that was a really cool, uh, definitely something new that I, I learned and took from this paper and am interested to uh, learn more about. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, and just to follow up on that, if, if I may, um, you know, I, in the past, well, probably, I don't know, probably 10 years or so, um, every school that I go into, <laughs> and it's just become a, a pastime of mine, I guess, I go into the school and I talk to the, um, to the principal and um, across, you know, four or five different states and dozens of districts and hundreds of schools, uh, every single one without fail claims to be a PLC school and under and working under this model. Um, what that tells me is um, it's this model is it's certainly growing and, you know, physical educators uh, have an opportunity to, you know, really dive in. Um, because one of the things I, I guess I fear personally is if we distance ourselves from it, then, you know, perhaps we become less and less, you know, uh, important to the school mission and maybe even increase uh, marginalization. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's interesting. And I, I went to a conference one time, actually, and that was a great, it was a PLC conference here in, in Minneapolis, um, just up the road. And uh, my colleague, uh, Deb, and I, who's one of the co-authors on this paper, we went there and there were hundreds, hundreds of uh of teachers and they do these conferences all over and we asked around we couldn't find any other physical education teachers or anyone associated with physical education and uh, really lead me to believe that there's some work to do yeah and i and i and i think you're right on spot there and i think i want to clarify my my uh my previous comment i i have not seen this as much done in pe and i have you know you talk about going to talk to the principal you have these professional learning communities or you know teachers planning in this specific way but i think not so much in physical education and and you're right you talk about this in the paper that there is um, a lot of room for growth but can you can you explain what you did in the study in general like did you um, you know focus in on one specific school and teachers and can you just kind of explain the study in general sure absolutely so yeah, we looked at a, a middle school um, of a neighboring district, um, and it was purposely, uh, purposefully selected uh, for a few reasons. Um, one is the school was striving, striving. I don't know if anyone ever fully arrives, but the school is striving to implement the DeFore and Acre PLC model. Um, and so content and grade level teacher teams had been organized recently within the, the previous two years to the study. Uh, the school uh, prioritized collaboration, and, and you know it was built into the contractual school day, not just something that you know dedicated teachers did on their own time. Um, PLC schools uh, they prize standards-based instruction um, and really focus on uh, not only assessment but co-assessment. Um, and so, uh, this healthy living team they were in this process of trying to get involved, and uh, it was just a really timely opportunity for us to go in and look at this and and so the healthy living team uh, it consisted of three members um they taught both health and pe classes 
and then they would rotate. So they would have health and, and then have, you know, physical education for for two days and rotate back to the health. Uh, it's kind of kind of like a fitness for life type of a model. But uh, John, he had been there. He was the department chair. Uh, of course, this is a pseudonym, and, and he was uh, he'd been there for eight years. Um, Eliza, a member of the team, uh, had been there for 18 years, or been teaching for 18 years, and, and Joey had been teaching for 16 years. Um, so yeah, this was a case study. It was case study because it was it was bound to the school, uh, specifically an instrumental case study, so that you know we wanted to to understand the lived experiences of the, of the PE teachers. Uh, but we also wanted to see if there's any, if we could glean, you know, transferable principles that could apply to other contexts as well. Yeah. And I, and I can totally see how you shape this in a case study yet. I mean, this is, this is an awesome opportunity to go in and kind of be like a fly on the wall. So can you talk about that? Like you, you went in, you interviewed them, you had focus groups, you observed all of the teachers teaching to make sure that they are actually doing what. They say that they're doing. Um, did you find like a differences in data, or um, how's how's that process? Yeah. So uh, you know, several different several different qualitative um, you know data data collection uh, methods were used, and you know it was really about getting into their daily experiences, their daily operations. So, you know, we really followed them around, um, attended their PLC meetings, both as a group and, um, you know, in their faculty meetings as well, uh, observed their interactions among, uh, you know, among each other. Um, we were just there like a fly on the wall, um, watching them, watching them interact with their students, observing their classes, taking a lot of notes, field notes, um, and then also audio recorded notes when we could. Uh, we had um, some formal interviews um, with them. Uh, also interviewed the principal, and so uh, and that was very helpful to get his insight. Uh, we had a kind of a culminating, I guess you could say, once we had started, you know, establishing some uh, some some themes, and and the, and the data were pretty clear at that time. Uh, then we had a, a focus group, um, and and that was really helpful again, not only to not only to kind of fill out the, um, you know, the themes that were pretty stable at the time, but also to, again, observe the interaction. Who talks most? Who talks least? Um, you know, what did they bring up again as a group? And again, lots of observations, um, a lot of document analysis. They shared everything with us. They were very open. Um, so agendas, common assessments, goals, teams, norms, lesson plans, um, all those things were coded as well. And and so, we you know, we created a code book and, um uh, you know, went through subsequent subsequent iterations and multiple iterations of, of coding and um, arrived at the uh, at the findings. Yeah, and and one of your first findings was seemed really positive. You talked about their the participants and meaning the teachers and the department chair their kind of increased role and status in the school community after they started engaging in this PLC. Like people were coming up to them and asking what they're doing and. How are they getting these kids so engaged when they might be sitting down in in their in other classes and not being so engaged? Can you can you talk about that uh, first first finding? Sure, <laughs> this was so fun to watch, Risto. This was, you know, I there, there's just not enough room in the manuscript to be able to include all of these quotes um, because there were there were so many. Th- this really stood out to us. It was. Um, 
really stood off the page. Yeah, they're almost giddy um, with excitement. Um, it was almost as if a burden had been lifted for them. Uh, we found this just really interesting. They were excited. Um, they were excited to, you know, the first the first um, uh, finding is, you know, increased status and appreciation in the school community. Um, but it almost seemed like previous efforts to improve children's lives were, were now illuminated for their peers and administration to see. It's like they'd been working so hard, but now they had something to contribute. They spoke the language of the other faculty. Um, you know, they were... Uh, they were seen as leaders. They were seen as leaders. They they provided, you know, leadership instruction in faculty meetings. Um, they helped, you know, they helped their faculty. Invited them in. They asked for feedback. They provided feedback. Um, and it was just it was just really fun. You got the sense not only from the interviews but the way they they interacted with one another that they did. They felt valued um, in the school community. And but it wasn't all all like super positive you you had some of the you know uh kind of challenges that they experienced as well can you share what kind of roadblocks they faced (laughs) they did face challenges (laughs) um yeah i think part of part of the of the challenges i i think that that actually facilitated some of those positive experiences as well yeah, the, the challenge is really, we, we call them growing pains here. So, and, and of course they developed those. Um, and there were really two, two sub-themes here. One is this idea of, of a paradigm shift. And so, you know, traditionally for them um, in that program, they had focused on, I guess what you could call a multi-activity model. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the idea was, you know, we're going to, we're going to go through this this unit of basketball and, you know, multi-sport and, and, oh, that was fine. And, and they got generally pretty good uh, participation, but to be able to, to go to now, um, to develop the, um, the PLC, um, first big idea and focus on student learning, um, that required a, a paradigm shift because instead of just looking and seeing that the, the kids are participating, now it's like, okay, what are they actually learning and what are we actually trying to teach? What are we prioritizing? And so, um, you know, they actually had some help from the math department in breaking down, um, you know, individual goals and outcomes that they were trying to, to get at. And one of the things that they found, though, along the way is they really, really struggled mightily with assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it wasn't – it just – as well as intentioned as, as they, you know, as everything was, they struggled. Um, of course, you know, PLCs, they're expected to come up with common, you know, formative assessment data um, to adjust and inform their um, curricular decision making. But not, let alone common assessment data, they, they struggled with assessment period, like in general. And um, so they, you know, once they come to, came to a consensus on, okay, these are things we want to prioritize. These are the outcomes we really want to see. Um, they, they struggled. And, and, and so they just kept saying over and over, we really have dropped the ball at assessment. And they had so many of those comments. So that was interesting to see. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of makes sense throughout their socializing, you know, process of culturation. They didn't really witness it too much. Um, in their PEAT programs, they didn't really experience quality assessment, maybe apart from, you know, fitness testing here and there, but um, nothing nothing to prepare them for what they were being asked to do in this PLC environment. 
Yeah, and it's it's interesting because you know you talk about you know this is this is a lot of work. It's a big commitment for them to go in and do this. And coming from a multi-activity sport-based model, you know they couldn't even fit into that PLC framework because they weren't teaching in that way. They weren't assessing in that way. So you talked briefly in in a part of the article about how how they had to shift to a shape America, you know, learning outcomes and standards based instruction, even to be able to fit. So it's a commendable experience for, for the, for the team to completely revamp their PE program as they're going into their PLC. But it seemed like it was very successful for them. Yes. Um, and, and I think, you know, they've improved so much, um, along the, along that process, but it was something that was relatively foreign, um, mm-hmm. to them. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the vulnerability really helped them because they, they asked for help. They weren't afraid to go and say, Hey, this is what we're thinking. What, what can we do? And, uh, and it went a long way, I think with their colleagues, colleagues, yeah. you know, and you didn't talk about this in the paper, but as I was reading this, I, I was thinking, man, you have a department chair who has the least experience, but still eight years. You have another one that has 18 years experience, 16 years experience. So you had a team that was very experienced do you think that that was part of the reason why they were able to be vulnerable because they had all that experience teaching they maybe were having a career renaissance or whatever it was that they were like okay let's mix things up do you think that this would have been different if you had a first year educator a third year educator and a fourth year educator in charge of a new program you know that's a really great question, um, Thanks, and I've thought up, about. That. I came up with that one all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I just thought I just thought about that. Yeah, I, I I don't know because you know one in one way to look at that, you'd think that you know maybe you get set in your ways a little bit. Maybe you get some teaching experience and and you feel like this is the way you do it, and then you have this you know relatively young um, team leader. Mm-hmm. Who uh, doesn't have you know half the experience you do? What is this? What is this uh, guy got to to, t- to teach me? Um, so I think it could go the opposite way as well. Um, but yeah, um, that you know, if you had one or two you know teachers that have been out two or three years, maybe four or five years, yeah, that may be different. But at the same time, you know, maybe they'd be more you know innovative um, because yeah. you do you you worry about the washout effect, you know, and. And uh, that surprised me too. Just, and I think it says a lot about these other team members that they were able to allow. They were able to be taught um, um, because you know the team leader had had he had more. Let's see, you know he had more recently he had kind of gone through some of these things as far as you know standards based, and he had a little bit more training on that than they did. And they and they just listened. They you know they went with it. So. Mm-hmm. So did that did it ever cross over from you know the PLC is supposed to be learning focused not teaching focused did it ever cross over were there outcomes that were measured within the students like did the students actually learn after all of the work that they put in you know that's um, so most of the study is is simply based on what the uh, you know the, the feelings the perceptions the experiences of the of the PE teachers. Um, but, you know, so, you know, for example, um, oddly enough, you know, it increased the students' engagement from their perspective. Now, 
you know, we didn't have a physical activity, um, you know, uh, observation tool. Uh, we didn't use SoFit or anything like that. But, nice. but uh, you know, you know, from their perspective, they felt, and and the principal also mentioned this as well, that they felt that physic, the physical activity, the engagement, the participation, the lessons went, uh, to quote one of them, went through the roof. Um, we did notice, you know, we observed that rarely were students um, sitting out. Um, they were all participating. They were seemed like they were having having fun. They were smiling. They were participating. Um, but that's one of the things that they felt like that, you know, maybe in the past they had put some emphasis. If they did put any emphasis, it was going to be on, you know, it's going to be on performance and throwing and catching. And, and uh, if they, if the student feels like they can't, do that, then they would disengage. Um, mm-hmm. But now, you know, when they broadened it to say, you know, let's let's incorporate all five standards here. Like, like for example, you know, you might not be the best. You know, you might not be able to catch the football like like someone else, but you still can learn how to create open space. Um, you know, and so uh, I think that broadened curriculum. Um, you know, a couple of things going on here, really. It's a broad and you're looking at all five standards, but you're also really narrowing in on exactly what it is that we want students to know and be able to do. And and so they felt, the teachers felt that, that it really improved the students' uh, uh, engagement in the lessons. Yeah. So what kind of messages does this research project bring to developing PEAT programs, other than you telling me probably that I should teach my students about what PLCs are really like? Um, I could do that at Mason a little bit better for sure, but uh, what do you think this, what are the impacts on, on PEAT programs from this research? Yeah, and of course that's another great question. I, you know, I, I do, I feel that, you know, one thing that, that PEAT programs really do well is preparing students to teach. Um, maybe where we fall short um, is preparing students to become teachers. Um, I had a I had a history teacher um, tell me, I love teaching, but I hate being a teacher. Um, and I questioned him a little bit further, and, and you know, it's it's all of the side stuff, it's the political stuff. It's it seems like I hear from teachers that you know, if I could just get in my gym and if I could just have the resources that I need, and I, boy, I could this would be a great job. Um, you know, if we could just simply parachute into the gym, have all the equipment, manageable class sizes, you know, I think we'd be in good shape. But I think part of what Pete can do is, you know, it may be a PLC model, it, it may not, but prepare students to be able to navigate, um, you know, really navigate the socio-political structures that, they, that they'll find in, in schools, because there's a lot of them. Um, and then working as a team, I, I mean, just really practical, um, you, you know, thinking about if, if I can just use a, a quick football team example, if you don't mind, I you know, just thinking about it, you know, a football team, you look at uh, how many coaches are on a, on a football team and you think, boy, sometimes there are like 40 coaches. It seems like there's coordinators and, there, and then you have nutritionists and you have all these kind of things. Um, and then you look at a PE teacher and they might have 30 or 40 and it's not a homogenous group, may not be very motivated, uh, wide range of, of abilities and interests. And you got one teacher and, um, 
I just don't know how you keep up. You know, you have motivation, assessment, not enough time, IEPs, 504s. Now it's trauma and socio, you know, emotional issues. Um, so I think part of the, the contribution of this research is very simple. is we have to work together or we will simply fail alone. Um, and so, and then I guess just the, the, the last thing that I would consider here is, um, go back to, you know, Stephen R. Covey, he used to talk about agents, um, you know, things being able to act rather than act upon. Um, you know, we, we've said for many, many years that, um, physical education is a marginalized subject. And I would say yes, but it's time to get over that. Um, because there's a lot that we can do. You know, we have agency, uh, and that's one thing about occupational socialization theory is it's dialectical in nature, which which means teachers can be actors. They can push back. They can advocate for themselves. They can demand better working conditions. And ultimately, they can shape the school culture. Um, but if we feel like victims and, and um, we're not, we don't want to get involved or we self-marginalize, uh, then I think we're, we're really hurting ourselves. So, um, so anyway, those are some things, I guess, to to sort of help students at the, you know, in Pete to, to be able to understand that they can go in and they can make a difference, a very positive difference on a school culture. Jack, you've had some great one-liners here. Work together or fail alone. Act rather than act upon. Teaching how to teach, but don't teach them how to be teachers. These are good, man. Like, <laughs> those are awesome. I- I'm just throwing them out there. Hey, I want to go in and sit in one of your P classes and just like kind of listen to you. This is great. Um, What's the next step then? Like what are you, what's the potential kind of research going forward from this? You talked about even in your lit review that, yeah, we've done research on professional development. Kathy Armour's done a ton of work in this. There's a ton of, ton of people who've done it, but not necessarily in PLCs in this type of PLC and not necessarily in PE. So where, where can we go from here? I, I, I really believe that this is, this is exploratory. I, I think there's so much to be learned and so much we don't know. So, you know, we've learned a lot about occupational socialization theory and how a teacher is socialized into a school and, you know, you have the institutional press and you have all the pressures that go along with that and innovation and, custodial and but I'm not sure that we know enough about how a team of teachers is socialized into a school Um, because it appears to me and and I could be wrong but it appears to me that more and more the expectation is going to be that you're going to have to work together Um, well I think there was probably a, a time that we could just retire to our gyms and if we wanted to socialize about, you know, the game on Friday night with another PE teacher, we could. And now we're expected to work together and produce together. Uh, I think there's a lot that needs to be learned about how a team of teachers are socialized as a team. Um, And and more about team leaders. Um, You know, PE department chairs, their instrumentality in creating, you know, the essential team dynamics for these important PLC discussions to occur. So, um, again, you know, PLCs are defined in a variety of ways, but I believe that descriptive, you know, on the ground, in action, ground truthing to see how PE teachers work collaboratively to enhance, you know, student learning is, is often missed. Um, and another thing to go along with that is how PE teachers are using common assessment data or assessment data period, <laughs> you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, 
because because you know in physical education it's not like math um or you know history or something or you know social studies or language arts where you know you can have a a team of teachers who can largely be on the same on the same page but i might be in a situation in high school where there are 15 other teachers and and we're teaching different things and so if you're going to engage in this what do you prioritize and i think it's important to say well not only do we what do we include but what do what, what do we need to what do we need to leave out yeah you know what are what are the things that our students really need to know and really take a careful uh and close look at those things because sometimes dropping things <laughs> uh is is difficult mm-hmm. um so and I, I had a couple of PE teachers. They they called me just uh, a week ago, and they it's funny. They called and they said they're a high school nearby um, in Minnesota, and they said, "Hey, we we read this article about PLCs, another one, and they and they said uh, we're expected to do X, Y, and Z. We have no idea. We've never been taught on this stuff, and so we, you know, and we hear, we hear that stuff all the time. So, well, I mean, I I think that we hear that in curriculum development too, like. We, we talk about in, in the U.S. because all of these individual school districts are allowed to make their or oftentimes end up making their own curriculum. That's not what we teach necessarily in um, a four-year P program. But those mm-hmm. are the people right. who, are, who end up sitting at the table to rewrite the curriculum. So when they go, hey, we need to write a curriculum for our middle school, go, like, where do they where do they go for the resources? Like they weren't necessarily trained unless they go to a master's degree program and they go in and like, you know, instruction curriculum and instruction master's degree, then they start reading that that next level. But I think that we have so many things like that. Hey, you have to do a PLC. Well, I was never taught how to do it. You know, so like how <laughs> right. do you how do you facilitate that? And I think I think that's where PEAT programs can be so instrumental in continuing professional development, of having workshops to teach teachers how to do it, to bring your, your alumni back onto campus and you know, continue to be a center for learning, not just in an undergraduate program or a master's program, but continuously throughout, uh, throughout the careers of your alumni and, and whoever ends up working in and around your university. I, yeah, I agree. Couldn't agree more, 100%. That's well said. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this was an awesome read. I learned a lot. I learned also what I need to start doing, and I need to read up on this a little bit more. Um, lots of practical implications for Pete and PE. Um, so thanks, Zach. I really appreciate you um, joining the podcast. Thank you, Risto. Really appreciate it. Awesome. So for those of you who want to read the full article, I'll drop the link in. You can go in, uh, look at the DOI, and click on there. Um, thanks to Alba Rodriguez for her help in producing this podcast. And uh, that's all we got for this one. Uh, thanks for listening. If you're still listening, you're probably really into health and physical education. So I'm going to use this opportunity to pitch our master's program to you if you don't have your master's degree yet. Um, Our 100% online master's degree program we offer at George Mason is affordable. You can do it while teaching, and it's high quality. Um, 
Mason was listed as one of the top 50 universities under 50 years old in the world. Our education department was ranked in the top 10 nationally for the online master's degree program in curriculum and instruction. The master's degree uh, revolves around your teaching. So you'll use assignments from the classes to immediately apply research and best practices to your classes. You'll be part of a tight-knit cohort of health and physical education professionals who are passionate about teaching. You're also going to get an opportunity to interact with students in other content areas. So if you're interested, you can email me, look me up on Twitter, or you can go on the hpewebsite.com under study with us and watch a video that I've made.